Revolting is produced by the Cycling Independent, with the support of subscribers like you and additional underwriting from Shimano North America. We are community-focused, community-supported, and dedicated to the whole of cycling. Always remember, at the Cycling Independent, if you ride bikes, you're one of us. This is Revolting with Steve and Robot on the Cycling Independent, episode 44, Stuff We Find on Rides. Uh, content warning. And you're way too fucking enthusiastic. <laughs> <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta slow your roll on that. Uh, content warning. We're obligated to tell you before we start that this podcast contemplates both mature and immature themes. You might not like all the words we use or the ideas we bring up. If you're sensitive about these things, maybe this podcast isn't the podcast for you. Uh, it's okay. We still love you. Uh, good morning, Robot. It's been a minute. You went on a walkabout. Yeah. We haven't I... seen each other in... Oh, we haven't seen each other in weeks. That's true. We did speak... Um... We did speak the other day, but yeah, I was in Wales, the land of my forefathers. I actually buried my father's ashes while I was there, which was a heavy thing to do. Um, and, but it's a beautiful country and my family there is fantastically nice and fun and funny. And, uh, we had a real good time with them. And it's been, it's been how long since your dad died? Uh, three years. Three years. So my dad died and then there was a whole series of unfortunate events wherein my brother also died and my mom got breast cancer kind of simultaneously with my brother dying. And so like we knew my dad's ashes needed to go back to Wales where he was born, uh, but it was not top of the priority list. And then pandemic happened. And so three years passed. But uh, I got him back there and I personally placed him in the ground, uh, which was a very surreal experience. Uh, and what struck me later was that the spot where I put him in the ground uh, is like three, maybe 300 yards from the room he was born in. Wow. Maybe closer. That's poignant. Yeah, there was maybe. something there's something really nice about it. Yeah. Uh, and you, you mentioned that you had, you know, you, you'd done your grieving and you'd had, you'd done your, uh, processing or your pro you'd had your process through this, through this whole, uh, the years that have passed since, but it kind of opened up some new things or you had some new experiences, uh, in bringing his ashes home. Yeah, it was, it all came right back up to the surface. You know, my dad, my dad had Parkinson's disease and he had heart trouble and he had a slew of stuff <laughs> wrong with him. He was a shambling wreck of a human. And the last five years of his life, I expected him to die virtually any day. And so a lot of the grieving that I did, I did while he was actually still alive. He had, he had, he had like a uh, pretty developed dementia. And so I had mourned like the person that I knew 
as my dad, quote unquote, my dad, like that guy. Um, yeah, so it was all, but then, then when he died, I felt really compelled to try to understand what like the 80 years of his life meant, you know, to try to, to try to see the whole thing, which of course you can't do. And I was only alive for, I don't know, 40 something of them. But yeah, in, in standing there in the cemetery, you know, uh, one grave down from where my grandparents are buried, uh, kind of in the shadow of the school that he went to, the little village school, and just down the hill from the farm that he was born on. Uh, it all got, it all kind of came back up to the surface and it was heavy. And I mean, it was really good. It was really good. And I stood there. I think the thing that was really humbling and crushing about it was that I was, it was my job, first of all, to deliver him there. And it was my job to give some kind of eulogy, but I was standing in front of his brothers and sisters and all their kids. And, um, yeah, I was just, I mean, talk about places you never think you'll be in your life. But <laughs> I just but, again, but but why? But why? You know, like, that's the crazy thing. Like, of course, this is this yeah. is part of this is part of the deal. And and you but it's just so it's so outside of one's scope, I feel like. <laughs> and it's almost like you're 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 watching somebody else go through this. I would imagine, you know, like I'm not I haven't really had this specific experience before. So I, I can only uh, guess what that must feel like. Yeah, it feel it feels like a great a big big responsibility. Like I wrote this eulogy and I write things every day, right? Like I'm I'm nominally good at writing things. Um but I sat down to write this and I was like, "Well, this is really fucking important. I got to say the right things here." Or I have to say some right things. I don't know if there is any right thing. I I don't know. I think I came at it in a healthy way. I tried to say things that I thought about him that that I thought were important that his family would recognize as like, yeah, that's him. Yes. And we're all remembering him in this moment in Wales. And that's what he wanted, right? He wanted to be home with his family. And so it was, it was like hard for me and I felt sad, but I also, there was something joyful about it in like completing this, thing for him like it's a thing like the last maybe it's the last thing I'll do for him and it's also kind of um you know the reason we don't think about of course we're going to eulogize our parents is because we're self involved <laughs> we're only really thinking about our own mortality but that's so also thinking, really, that's a really hard thing to consider you know like i for a long time before i got into therapy, like when I initially got into therapy years ago, I was like, I don't think I can deal with the passing of my parents. I don't think I'm equipped. I mean, none of us are really equipped, but I don't, I think that's going to really undo me, you know? And I, what am I going to do if buddy dies? And of course he's going to die because he's a cat and that's what they do. And then one day it occurred to me like, oh shit, my wife's not going to be around forever either. You know, and our, (laughs) as things turned, like she was around a lot, not as long as even, you know, she's alive, but gone. 
And so it just like I was trying to quickly amass some set of emotional coping mechanisms to to contend with this because change is the only constant. Right. But losing your anchors. Mm. I realize you got to be your own anchor, blah, blah, blah. Fuck me. No, no, no. We we're interde- we're an interdependent species. You, there's no, um, you know, be your own anchor. Like, yes, be your own anchor. But like, <laughs> you know, if you if you love anyone or anything, like you're headed for these disappointments. You are. Um, yeah. And yeah. I don't know about being ready. I mean, I could tell you that that period in my life when my starting with my when my dad died and ending when my brother died. It, it, it did undo me. It did undo me. It was right at the beginning of the pandemic. And that's when I left my job at seven because my brain was just broken. Mm-hmm. I thought I was taking a hiatus from work there and I ended up just not, I just couldn't, I needed time. Uh, I mean, I'm like, what a privilege that, um, you know, my, my, my wife makes enough money that I was able to take the time I needed to, in order to just not, be brain crushed (laughs) from all the shit that had gone down. Yeah. Um, and I think, and I think, I think I coped pretty well. And I think, um, yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. And it, it, this trip, it was a family vacation and I, I'm an idiot because I was like, well, I have to do this thing with my dad's ashes, but then we'll get to having fun. But it really, you know, like I, I'm not able to compartmentalize quite that way. So it, it turned into a bigger deal than I expected it to, but I should have expected it. I, I don't even know. Basically, the message here is I don't know how life works. I certainly don't know how death works, but I definitely but I don't know how life works. I don't see very obvious things coming. Uh, I guess I would be the guy that hides in the basement when the serial killer comes in the front door. I don't know. Mm. Well, uh, I mean, that's beautiful and it's poetic and it's heartbreaking. And I'm glad that you got to have that experience. And, um, I mean, gosh, how do we start? You know, we like ordinarily, we just kind of like rib each other and talk shit. And, uh, we like (laughs) jumped into the deep end right out of the gate this morning. So yeah. Yeah. Sorry, uh, everybody. How do we transition from that to fart jokes or do we just Um, go for it? Well, my dad loved a fart joke. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So this is revolting. And, uh, and uh, this is episode 44 today. And we're going to talk about things that we find on rides, which is a really super fun topic for me because I've got a fucking pile of stuff i found over the years but first we're probably going to do music pick let's do that yeah let's do that um Uh, i'm gonna let you go first well you always like coming up with new stuff and i'm always coming up with random shit or stuff that i just don't have time or i circle back and i find something in my collection that i haven't heard for a long time but um i recently bought uh iron maiden the first album and the second album, uh, Killers, I believe, is in the correct chronology. And um, I've been listening t- 
to that full blown everywhere I go all the time. It's so, and you know, like growing up, <clears throat> there was like a division between the punk rock kids and the, and the heavy metal kids. Yeah. And, and when I heard Iron Maiden, like certainly they have an extensive uh, discography and they're all wildly accomplished musicians and Bruce Dickinson is a fucking pilot and a expert swordsman and all this other shit. But all I, all I heard was like that vibrato, like that high pitched vibrato and, and scarves and rainbow spandex pants. And I was just like, stupid. That's it. just, I, none, none of it appealed to me. And then I saw at some point I saw old footage like of Iron Maiden in the early days and I, nobody ever said like, oh yeah, there was two different singers and one singer, they were basically like on a, like a, a musically uh, versed punk band. And, you know, if it had been pre presented to me like that, I would have probably given it uh, a little bit more consideration. Uh, but it took me a long time to finally get on the train. And I realized that the first, you know, you say like, oh yeah, I love Iron Maiden. But which Iron Maiden? Because they are different bands. The same members, aside from the singer, but it was different music. Everything was different. Well, I've been thinking about that since we talked about how Metallica's first four records are really good and everything else except the covers record is bullshit. And I thought to myself, has anyone made more than four good records? Like I mm. had to think pretty hard to come up with a band that I really believe has made more than four good records. Uh, yeah, I mean, shit, Mudhoney, um, The Fluid, I think all of their records are great. I've got a soft spot for The Fluid. Every Good Boy Deserves Fudge from Mud Honey, I thought was not a good record though, and I and I kind of shelved them after that. And then I like, then I got circled back around and realized they're one of the best bands of our generation. Uh, I know that's kind of a, a broad declaration or a bold <laughs> declaration. Um, We're swinging for the fences this this episode. Just go for it. You know, Death Magnetic is an, is a Metallica record that it's like real riffy. It's real powerful. It's it's it harkens back to stuff that they used to do. But I also understand is if you make stuff, you're going to evolve, you're going to change. And I see that the fact that they're still together. Um, aside from the fact that they they're kind of insular and they don't really know what's going on outside of the world and, you know, outside of their own little world. And, they, and then they get stifled because they would say, like, well, everybody likes the first four records. So are we going to do the first four records for the rest of our lives or are we going to try to spread our wings and change what we do? And they obviously did that. And it's not my cup of tea, but it doesn't mean that it's, you know, not, doesn't mean something to somebody else. I was that exact thing was uh, on my mind this morning. I was listening to this old Lemonhead song, Clang, Bang, Clang, for reasons that if you read the site, you'll get later or actually you'll get before because this is coming out later. Whatever. I don't know how time works, but uh, the Lemonheads made like three, really three, three really great punk rock records. And then they turned uh, then like the, I guess the sane members of the band left and they became like a drugged out pop band. And I'm not, I'm not against drugged out pop. It's just not my thing, but the first three records are really good. And, and it's, that's right. It's uh, what I was thinking about was just because I don't like the, the, where they evolved doesn't mean it's not good. It's just not for me. Right. Yeah. And I can, you know, I can hear, I can hear contemporary, um, 
Iron or, or current Iron Maiden, and I, and there's all this. Like I said, the discography is vast, and I can listen to it, and I, and I can really like it. But it's not. It's not to me. It's not the same band as the as it was when they did the first two records. Can we agree that they are maybe the best T-shirt band of all time? Oh man, yeah, and maybe I don't know if did anybody else have really have a mascot before them. You know, they they've had Eddie since their first record. Like, yeah, yeah. we're going to have this fucking zombie wild haired zombie guy and that's going to be our guy. And then we're going to and they had a huge puppets that would come out on stage. And <laughs> I mean, they was like Eddie was a fucking even I knew about Eddie and I didn't even like Iron Maiden, you know, or I thought I didn't. Right. Um, well, uh, my pick this week actually dovetails really nicely with yours. And um my pick is the sword. Mm, the um, S word. I think they're, it's pronounced the S word. The, yeah. The S word. Um, <laughs> and to me, the, the, the sword sounds like if black Sabbath hadn't stopped making records, it's, it's real heavy, real riffy. Um, and the reason this dovetails real nicely with yours is part of the reason I didn't embrace metal earlier was because of dungeons and dragons. You know, like if you read Iron Maiden lyrics, Mm -hmm. you're like, what? How can I possibly take this music seriously? Yeah. When you're singing about. That's a good point. You you don't. um, uh, You know, listening to when you're 14, 15 years old, you're listening to punk rock and they're talking about like, you know, whatever, being angry with the establishment or not wanting to be in school or. Uh, whatever girls stuff that was relatable to me but you know like metal was wizardry and and swords and right d- demons and like all this stuff is just like this is so but and the and the metal kids who listened to it like they took themselves really seriously and they you know tried to look scary and but it, they just it looked it was so clownish to me you know to, to my aesthetic and my perspective that's exactly right. And when I finally, uh, when I finally kind of cracked the code on metal, and I think Metallica was kind of the partially uh, an exception to that rule, which is why they're an entry point for so many punk uh, kids. Oh, for um, sure, they were the like the premier, the biggest crossover band at the time. Right, um, and you know, and they'd go on stage and they'd have long hair and they'd play big fucking metal riffs, but they'd wear Misfits shirts or GBH shirts, and so you'd be like, okay. What, the, Wait, what this the is fuck? my team? These yeah. guys are on my team? Yeah. Yeah. And they yeah. wrote, you know, there's a quote Zorlac did a Metallica skateboard and stuff like that. So that was like, open the door. And then you realize like, oh, there's a whole legion of thrash metal bands in, in the Bay Area at that time. Yeah. They, they were all on the same page. Suicidal Tendencies is another good example of uh, a, of a uh, riffing. I mean, Suicidal Tendencies was a metal band, yeah. but they were also a punk band. Yeah. But so the sword uh, is super riffy, super catchy, heavy, really fun. And they sing about all this Dungeons and Dragons shit. But I think once you embrace the stupidity of it, (laughs) I think um, like once you're like, oh, yeah, Dungeons and Dragons. Fuck yeah. Give me more. uh, It just is like, oh, these are great records. These are great records. Uh, you know, when she like, cause I think they also appreciate the silly irony and really uh, sort of immerse themselves in that. And so, 
maybe maybe acknowledging the the irony of it, it it makes it makes it a little more uh, I don't know digestible or relatable, understandable, whatever for me. Yeah, I'm in. Yeah. I'm into it. Like the dumber it is, kind of the better. The sword is another good example of. I think the first four records are really good, and then they began to evolve in a way that was like, I don't know, not my thing. Yeah. But doesn't mean it's bad. But yeah. the first four records are so satisfyingly riftastic. It is. They're good. They're they're a, a real good band. So Iron Maiden, first two records. Yeah. The sword, the S word. The first four records. Yeah. Love, uh, it. love um, it. All right. So today. What's the weirdest thing you've found while out riding? Uh fuck. Where do I I mean, I found like <laughs> sex toys, like tons and tons of sex toys, tons of sex toys. There's dildos everywhere. Like, it's just, it's insane. Like, why? You see one shoe on the side of the freeway? Wonder about that? What the fuck is it with dildos? Like, all over the goddamn place. <laughs> but that's not, not here in New England. We are prim and proper. I have never found a sex. Is that true? I don't think I've ever found a sex toy. On a ride, I don't know what East Bay decadence you are immersed in. <laughs> I don't. What kind of cocaine culture? I don't find you, them so much swimming around in in Washington State. I don't think I probably found one or two, but it, yeah, it was just the Bay Area. It was like a thing. And uh, Portland, and like I know people who find dildos and dildos in Portland all the time too. So maybe it's just a, like a Bay Area Portland thing. I'm not sure. I'm. I'm glad you brought up the single shoe because obviously I've seen a million single shoes and it never fails to occur to me what happened. Yeah. Like, you do like how do, I'm in a rush. I put, I got one shoe on and the other shoes on the roof, but I got to go. And then, and then, you know, like 15 miles later, you realize that you're barefoot's on the gas pedal. God damn yeah. it. I did it again. So I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, but that's definitely not the weirdest thing. The weirdest thing is, um, and I've told this story, I've written this story a number of times. I told the story. Uh, I think it was 1999, 98. I don't remember. It was April 18th though. And I was on a ride. I was working in a bike shop in Berkeley and my friend Sammy and I went on a mountain bike ride the before work. And so we ride up this long paved hill and then you turn into the parking lot and we jump on this little side trail, this little cutty trail. There's like the main fire road. Or there's this little cutty trail. So you get this little dose of single track before you get on with your with the action. And we're riding up this climb. I'm ahead of him. And I look over and there's a dude laying on a stump, like slumped back. And I was kind of chuckling to myself, like, oh, this cat definitely got drunk and walked away from a party somewhere. And I, you know, because like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm with that. I, I can relate to that. And then I get up and I look at his face, his mouth's all bloody, his mouth's all fucked up. And I was like, oh, he, I bet he got dumped. Uh, he got like beat up and dumped up here or something like that. And I, and this is all happening in seconds. I'm bending over, I'm looking in his mouth and it's full of blood. And so I'm like going to shake him, turn him over, CPR, whatever. And I look under his leg and there's a gun and I realized this cat had, had just committed suicide. So I was like, oh, whoa, fuck, back up. And Sammy, no. my buddy's like, what's going on? And there was a couple of women like jogging, kind of like starting their walk or whatever. And I said, just like keep people away from here. And there was a payphone not very far away. So I hauled ass, uh, called 911. They kept me on the phone until 
fire, cops, EMT, uh, and then like undercover, like detectives, like the fucking brass showed up and, um, uh, we got interviewed and the whole thing, like it was this whole big palava and, um, it turned out this dude was the assistant DA of oh, Oakland. What? Mm-hmm. He was the son of the DA and he was the assistant DA and he had, I think his girlfriend was away on the East coast at college and she'd come back and broken things off with him. And he was prone to bouts of depressive episodes. And I never got any closure. The next day I went on a ride and I was really tired and I rode home. And as soon as I got home, I collapsed and woke up in the back of an ambulance. And then that started this whole other shit show, uh, of in my life. But, um, uh, I, I finally, two years ago, uh, a a mutual friend of ours, like a guy that I knew was friends with a guy who worked in the DA's office who was there still and was friends with him. And so the family had their closure. His friends had their closure. Like I was just kind of left always really heartbroken for this guy and what he'd experienced. And, um, And this guy sent me an email and he's like, you know, there's nothing that you could have done. We lost track of him the night before and we knew he had a gun and we had to, we'd assembled search parties and we couldn't find him anywhere. And, um, I just was like, I just like, I, maybe because I have issues, you know, with my own depression or my own history of self-destructive patterns or whatever. But I was just like, I just was so fucking gutted for him and everybody he knew, you know, and to have that relationship with someone forever. Like I'm the last person who saw him. I'm the first person who saw him after he wasn't here anymore. And I, yeah, finally I got to, um, finally I got to have a little sort of sense of peace about the whole thing. And, um, and his friend who emailed me was super kind and, you know, told me a little bit about him. And so I got more than his name, you know, which is all I'd had for two decades, probably. Um, uh, yeah, so definitely like that was the, for sure, the weirdest thing, like the most intense Today's thing. Today's episode is manic as fuck. We were, <laughs> we started with my dad's death. <clears throat> then we talked about Iron Maiden. Yeah. Then you said there's dildos everywhere. (laughs) And then you told that story, which I think I'm pretty sure is a superhero origin story. Are you (laughs) are you the Batman? I'm I'm curious. I don't know, because that feels like. Oh, it was it was wild. I mean, you know, I found a shit ton of tools. I found a ton of porn. We're just going to move on from dead guy now. Yeah. Oh, hey, it's story time with Steve. About three years ago, Shimano tapped me to join a group of people they were calling the Gravel Alliance. Essentially, this was a group of people who were going to ride and test the GRX Gravel Group. We're going to do races around the country and rides and have light influence on design and engineering and research and development tweaks that needed to be done before it went to market. Uh... On the surface, this was just an opportunity to ride bikes and to meet this amazing group of personalities 
and even to take a peek behind the curtain and learn a little bit more about Shimano as a company. Uh, but on the underneath, I learned more about myself and my own self-worth than I could have ever hoped for. Uh, the whole thing was really brilliant. And I understand that's not exactly what they had in mind when they asked me to sign on, but uh, that was a byproduct and I will forever be in Shimano's debt because of it. Oh, shit. This was tight. I found the sweater that was, <laughs> <laughs> was folded up on the side of the road and it had a mohair cat knitted on it and it had a little bell around its neck like an actual bell on the sweater and like flowers and it was it was such a ridiculous sweater and i hid it because i was at just at the beginning of my ride and then i came home my cousin is a wildly talented musician named will johnson and he was on tour happened to be in the bay area and i gave him that sweater and i made him wear it to that evening's performance um <laughs> <laughs> and he sent it back to me and I was, I wore it in a Santa Cruz ad that I did a bunch of years ago where we all wore silly sweaters. I would um, love to find that sweater, but I don't think you could pay me to put it on. I feel like <laughs> it's, it's either very certainly cursed or it has some <laughs> terrible disease. He still has it. Uh, it was funny cause when I was coming back, I was on a road ride and I was coming back to pick it up. This woman was pulling into a driveway, not very far from where I'd stashed it. And she's like, oh, what's that? And I said, it's, oh, it's a sweater with the fucking cat on it. It's, and she's like, oh, like, kind of like, oh, I want that. <laughs> Sorry, lady. Finders keepers. It, oh, no, it was outside of your driveway. It's, it's my sweater now. And I rode home with it. My cousin still has it. I told him that he ever gets rid of it. He's like, just to send it back to me. And I don't mean to trip off the topic here, but you had another sweater story that you shared on your site recently. Uh, oh, fuck. Well, yeah, I wasn't on a ride. That was a, the other most ridiculous sweater I've ever found. And it was in a Goodwill in Santa Rosa. And it was Sunday. It was closed. And um, there was a giant clown head. And the arms were, this, this shoulders were big, ravelly red yarn. So it looked like big clown hair. Yeah. And I was, uh, I called JC Sip the next Maybe that day. And I'm like, hey, would you go in there and get that sweater for me? Because I believe I was living in Santa Cruz at the time. So it was way too far away for me to drive back up. And he went in and he said the ladies behind the counter said, it's part of the Valentine's Day uh, display and we're not going to take it down until the end of the month. And he's like, okay. And then he went back in at the end of the month and they said, we don't know what sweater you're talking about. <laughs> and so years go by, years. And then I'm at Swobo. And I'm looking through, I'm like managing the Swobo MySpace page. Like this is how long ago this was. The Swobo Bicycle Company, yes. Yeah, Swobo was a bicycle clothing company I worked for before I started my current job. Um, and there's a picture of a guy wearing the sweater. And I'm just like, what the fuck? What the fuck? This is, there's no <laughs> way there's two sweaters. And so I post the picture. I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? Does anybody know what this guy's story is? And somebody's like, oh yeah, that's fucking Will, uh, what's his butt from Star Trek. <laughs> what? Yeah, the kid, there's a kid and he was always on uh, Big Bang Theory. He was Sheldon's adversary. What's What the fuck is that guy's name? 
Will? Uh, I have no idea. Oh, God. Anyway, yeah, somebody's like, yeah, that's a dude from Star Trek. And I was just like, come the fuck on. What are What is happening? And so I Googled his name and Clown Sweater, and there's a whole fucking post about how this friend of his in the Bay Area found this sweater and gave it to him, blah, 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 blah. Like, fuck me. It's the same sweater. So, yeah, the guy from Star Trek has my sweater. He out C-Sip, J-C-Sip. What the fuck is that guy's name? Uh, It doesn't matter. (laughs) Anyway, that wasn't on a, I wasn't on a ride that day. That was just something that I stumbled across. I want to go back to the dildos for a a minute because, (laughs) and this only occurs to me because you picked up the cat sweater it seems like you make use of a lot of these things when you just for listeners who might be wondering what to do when they come across a sex toy. What, what do you do? Do you look down and you go, Oh, dildo, another dildo. Maybe you take a photo of it because of Uh, course you do. Obviously. Uh, Oh, Will Wheaton. That's the guy's name. Google Will Wheaton clown sweater and everybody can see my fucking sweater. Right. Uh, Or is there a photo on your website? No. Well, probably somewhere, but not recently. All right. I had Will Wheaton clown sweater, but back to the dildos. So, no, I don't touch them or take them home with me. (laughs) (laughs) I just Uh, wanted to make sure. (laughs) I, I, uh, no, I just leave them alone and think like, wow, there's another dildo. I don't know. (laughs) I just, I don't do anything with them. I'd like to see a sculpture of all the sex toys you found you know there's a weird phenomenon in oakland that i came across like i there's fucking pieces of hair weaves everywhere all the time oh and um my friend michael pointed that out to me in like 1988 and they just like and then somebody's like yeah they're tumble weaves like that's what you call them it's a tumble (laughs) weave and i wished like you know 30 or 25 years on i wished that i'd started keeping like chronicling those like 40th and MacArthur, 8:45 AM, uh, August 8th, 1990. And then you have a gallery show, get, yeah. get like dozens of stands and you have these p- pieces of wig or weave that you found like <laughs> all over the East Bay. I thought that that would be a really interesting art project. Isn't all of this stuff that we're talking about found art? All of it? Except the dead guy? Shit, man. Um, I mean, sure. Art's subjective. You know, whatever. If fucking Jeff Koons is... The shit that Jeff Koons makes is considered art, I guess, why not a bunch of weaves or dildos? (laughs) You know? (laughs) (laughs) I guess that's... I guess that's right. This is like reason 600. Neither of us is rich. Um, what? <laughs> oh, man. What is, what's, the, what's the most useful thing you found while out riding? Tools. Tools. Yeah, I always find yeah, tools. Yeah, I found a bunch of bike tools, CO2 inflators. I found oh, a... Uh, bike tools, snap-on wrenches, whatever, you know. Yeah. Open box wrenches, open-end wrenches, screwdrivers, hammers. Oh, the, yeah. oh, this shit always, that thermos, I found a really nice thermos one time. 
I, w- I was out walking the dog this morning and, you know, people put stuff uh, on the curb and with a free sign on it all the time. Right. And I'm, I'm walking by this stuff and I, I realized that I'm really casing this one particular pile of free stuff. This is just this morning. And I was like, I don't, why, why am I even looking? I'm not taking anything. Yeah. But I retain this and it's the same thing on the bike. I retain this idea that there's treasure out there. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, you don't want to, I like, I had a conversation with a friend of mine and we we're in Brooklyn and she's like, you never take stuff off the street. Like people are always putting stuff out, but like, then you get bed bugs in a fucking chest of drawers or whatever. And then you bring bed bugs into your place and you just, it, they're impossible to eradicate. Mm. And we walk up and there's an easy chair sitting on the sidewalk with a big free sign on it and somebody taking a shit in it. Like on the cushion. And she's like, case in point, like, you're going to bring that in your house? And I was like, oh, man, I can't believe, like, of all the places to take a shit, somebody took a shit on the chair. And then we go have dinner and we come back. Chair's still there. Free sign's still there. Somebody just knocked the shit into the gutter. And like, oh, I don't, I don't need that in my life. But like little no. things that can be sterilized. I'll, I'll, I'll take stuff if I if it strikes my fancy. Yeah. Yeah, I'm but, I'm I'm pretty stuff averse. That's my thing. Like, I believe there's treasure out there, but I don't real. it's got to be real treasure for me to pick it up. Well, I spend so much time sent like I do a lot of, you know, I mail stuff to people like I I mail like if somebody orders a T-shirt or whatever and I've found like this stack of postcards or something that I think is cool, but I don't have any use for it. I'll just throw that in. It's like you get a box of cereal and you get some a toy in it like you get a little extra treasure. Yeah, Which I think nice. I think is neat. I'm big on fi- like returning stuff if I can, and I, at this point I have about a hundred percent like a success rating of finding. If I find a wallet, I find fucking wallets and purses where cars get broken into and the money gets yoinked and all the shit gets thrown out, like personal identification or whatever. I can. I've always been able to track people down, like all the time, and it's really like if if you've got an ID. There's probably an address on there. You send the, put the wallet in an envelope and send it away. Or you can find a business card and maybe through the business card, you can find who that person knows. And like, I've been able to get stuff back to people all the time. I love doing that. You're, you, I think you are a superhero. I think you're it's, a low key superhero. It's like, um, it's like being a detective kind of, you know, like you get to, you get to look at these clues you open a purse that you've pulled out of a mud puddle, mud, mud puddle, and there's a uh, like a you know maybe a medical insurance card. So you got the person's name. Worst case is you just take it to the to the doctor's office, or like if they have a Kaiser card, you take it to Kaiser, and then they can track their information down. Um, or a bank card. Banks are a little less. Banks are weird, but you can you know I have like I said I found a purse one time that had a business card of a chef. I think I called the chef and it turned out that this person was a friend or an employee or something and their shit had gotten stolen like a couple weeks earlier. And so they were able to track them down and then got a hold of me and then, you know, I was able to get them their stuff back. Like, I think it's super fun because I've lost things and it's terrible. It is terrible. And people are lazy, I think. People don't really, you know, especially with social media, Jesus Christ, you look people up on Facebook real easy. And, um, and try to track them down that way. Or I don't know. It's not that hard. I just think people don't put the effort in to get stuff back to people. Maybe, I mean, they don't think it's as fun as I do. 
I want to know when you're going to start trying to find the owners of all those sex toys. <laughs> yeah, how do you how do you do that? Do you knock on the door with that's the brown a Craigslist misconnections post? I think. <laughs> you like? Oh, I actually called uh, uh, the company Doctor Dongs a lot, and they um, <laughs> I cross referenced the serial number. <laughs> and yeah, it's the, it's the purple destroyer. It's uh, it's eleven inches long. You can't have sold that many of them. Serial number. Uh, there is this my friend Jeff Reniker, who is he is he is a sun, a bright sun in a universe of darkness. He was basically like one of the dudes. So he he was one of the original Swobo guys, the company that I mentioned like when it was in San Francisco, like that dude, he and J Mac were like the glue that brought all of the fucking nine balls together. Like other people get credit for Swobo being this nucleus of weirdness, but it was those two cats. So I gotta, I have to make mention of that and give Jeff props. But, um, he was, he said he went into a sex shop one time and he, he found this thing called the accommodator which is a, <laughs> it's a, a chin strap dildo. And he's oh. like, how funny would that be to wear that to a job interview? Where you, <laughs> where you like, so what are your, what are your strengths? And you'd say, well, it's, you know, it's been said, I'm very accommodating. <laughs> I don't know. The accommodator. I, I've written a lot of marketing copy in my day and I would love to write marketing copy. I would, Mm. God, and there's a picture of a guy wearing it and he's just like he's just a nondescript dude like on the box <laughs> at the time and he's just you know like he's like I, like oh man i fucking tried my hand at hat modeling and it just didn't <laughs> work out and then i've fallen so far no i'm modeling the accommodator anyway. oh man how do you what it, the only way is up <laughs> the only way is up oh, why'd shit. you take that job well i got to keep the accommodator and they gave me sandwiches the only way is up uh so what's the weirdest thing you found out while out riding oh man i don't know like i said this is new england people first of all this new england no one throws anything away uh i have found some useful things i think the weirdest thing i found so we have a lot of old infrastructure here. Um, and I, I, I frequently find by reservoirs, you find these, I call them murder caves. And it's basically like uh, a whole, like a, a mound in a bank of earth with like a big scary ass door and a really big lock on it. And I'm sure that murders happen there, but I think what it really is is pumps or something for these reservoirs, but you find these murder caves, anyone, any new England listeners will know what I'm talking about. If you go to like the Assabet reservoir or you go any of these places, you find murder caves. Minneapolis has a bunch of those too. They're like, tunnels and there's some you can crawl into but most of them are all locked up and i always thought it was for some kind of ancient uh, infrastructure or something like you said maybe some pump houses pipes or something i don't know what they're for yeah yeah i feel like that's mostly what i find or there's um 
There's a couple of decommissioned state mental hospitals near us. Ooh, uh, they're yeah. haunted, probably, huh? I think those are always on like the ten most haunted places in the country lists. Yeah, they're they're very weird, and a lot of rides get routed through there, through places like that. Yeah. Um, there's one very near my main like local trails, and it's got this um, cemetery for people who died there. And I think also for, because I think a lot of the young ladies who got sent there were not mental patients. They were just pregnant Ugh. because it was a different time. I don't know. Maybe that still happens. I shouldn't say it's a different time. It's definitely not a different time. It's the same time all the time with humans, but anyway, just have different um, clothing. that's right. That's right. Um, but this, there's a big cemetery. It's not that big. There's a somewhat sizable cemetery right in that trail system. It's got all these little, uh, headstones in it and they all have like a C or a P on it, depending on whether the dead person was Catholic or Protestant. And they buried them on opposite sides of the cemetery. <laughs> Man, even in death, they can't, even in death, they can't get along even in death. Yeah. Uh, um, so what, so wait, what's the weirdest thing? Oh, wait. Oh, this, you know, when we started talking about this topic and I was thinking about the things I did an ad for the bicycle or for uh, the missing link bicycle hmm. cooperative in Berkeley a bunch of years ago. And I'd drawn little cartoons of like things I'd found. And one thing that I was sort of reflecting on when I did this was, was the, fr the friends, like th that's never included. It's always like material things. Like I found shoes or I found right. a cat sweater or whatever, but like I've found some of the best people I could hope to have in my life while riding. Oh, that's so sweet. Uh-huh. Yeah. I have my moments, <sighs> but I think that that's often overlooked, you know? Maybe yeah. Not. But I like to include them in my list of weird shit that I've found. Yeah, the things that I'm excited to find are like weird trees or great rocks. Um, I always retain this belief, no matter how well I know a trail system, that there is some trail that I haven't discovered that is right there, but also really great, like maybe the best one yet. Mm -hmm. Usually I end up in a hobo camp. That <laughs> That happened to me twice Last week, I was riding these trails. I was like, oh, I wonder what's down here. Oh, it's tents and empty vodka bottles. <laughs> yeah, but you never know, you know, like it's a maybe a good sort of rule of thumb for life in general is you never know what you're going to find when you go left or you go right. That's you, right. You zig when you usually zag, as I like to yeah, say. Yeah, normally it's a hobo camp, but you never <clears throat> really know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we got uh, we got through question one and two pretty succinctly. Yeah. Uh, we're closing in on an hour. Do you want to do a Would You Rather? Yeah, let's do this Would You Rather. Nothing's if you look in, in your notes, you'll see that you can't see one at all. There's no there's no Would You Rather in my notes. Which, But I have one. Mike, it's, is that because I never read the notes anyway? No, it's because I the one that I had, I forgot to write in there before <laughs> I sent you the notes. But then I thought I was going to send you another thing. But then I was like, he's not going to read this damn thing anyway. Yeah, sometimes I do. Um, sometimes right. I do, but that would you rather that's like this, it like surprises me. It's like, it jumps out at me and I don't get any time to really, um, 
ruminate on it. And then all of a sudden I'm like, ah, bowling balls or Kardashians. Jesus. I don't know. Oh yeah. But we did discuss. Yeah. We did discuss that again because it's, (laughs) I misunderstood the question. So the question was, would you rather give up all of your friends and everything you love to do? (laughs) Right. No. The question was, would you rather have all of your friends replaced by Kardashians or would you rather have all of your bikes and skateboards replaced by bowling balls? See, so that was two questions that I transposed into transposed that I kind of combined into one question. Like I was giving up my friends and everything I love to do. For. But I don't know. The Kardashians. You were right. I went right to the Kardashians and I I wanted nothing to do with him, but I wasn't thinking about my friends. I just wanted nothing. I wanted nothing to do with the Kardashians, but I didn't, it was that, it was too confusing for my brain. So for you uh, playing along at home, we, we had this question a few podcasts ago. I don't remember which one. And then Steve called me the other day <laughs> urgently needing to clarify the situation. And we had another long conversation about bowling balls or Kardashians. And I, what I was trying to say was, this is really a, the real question is what's more important to you, the people that you love or the stuff that you love to do. So I would get to be, continue to do the stuff that I do, but I would have to be friends with the Kardashians. And only the Kardashians, mm-hmm. that's right. Or I would give up the people who I love and I would just bowl. Right? It's like No, Chris, you Chris can Car- keep what? the people that you love, but you can only bowl oh, with them. I you can can't only ride skateboards with them. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, I stick with my original answer. I would bowl with my friends. Yeah, yeah. Then I to think ride bikes with the Kardashians. And the whole foundation of that question, as I explained the other day, was me enjoying the idea of you having like a rack of bowling balls <laughs> equal in number to the number of bikes and skateboards you own. Uh, like you go to Steve's house and he just has like two tons of bowling balls of I various got, striping. And I got heated when you asked me that question, too. And I said I wasn't going to talk about past podcasts on current on the ones we're recording anymore. But I was like, I was pretty I was oh. in kind of a sour mood. And then I listened to the episode and then that put me in a bad mood again. I was in a bad mood for like two days <laughs> listening to myself be in a bad mood. <laughs> About Kardashians. <laughs> but I did say, like, ask me in an hour and I'm probably not really going to give a shit one way or the other. And sure enough, like, I don't really have an opinion about the Kardashians today. But man, I did. <laughs> I did the other time. You really did the other day. So, so okay, let's cut. <laughs> let's get back to today's Would You Rather. <laughs> Today's would you rather, and I, I should also say, I shouldn't preface things so much, but I just love it. I should also say that almost every time I write a would you rather, it's because I know about a particular thing that really bothers Steve. <laughs> so they're almost all some mechanism to try to understand how bad this thing really bothers him. So here's today, knowing that, here's today's would you rather. Today's would you rather is, would you rather step... In dog crap, every time you're outside barefoot, or would you rather have bird crap fall into your open mouth every time you look up 
at the sky. And there are workarounds for both of these things, right? You just don't look. I would look. I like looking up. I'm going to say. I'm going to say I'd step in dog shit, but I could just also I could just wear shoes. And I rarely walk around outside with no shoes on. Yeah, basically, you could never walk barefoot outside again without stepping in dog shit. At least once. At least once, yeah. But even if you're outside for five minutes and you're like, I got to go get the newspaper and you're outside and you're looking at your feet, don't want to step any dog shit, but it's just an inevitability. Yeah, it's there. Hopefully you got a hose nearby. Yeah, yeah. But man, dog shit, I got like a bugaboo about dog shit. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know, that's why. I, that's why I sought to exploit this weakness in your psyche. <laughs> I, You know what What makes me even more bummed is when I somebody leaves a pile of dog shit on a trail and I ride through it and it gets splattered up on my bike and it's like oh. in my tire treads and stuff. I think my foot, that would suck, but my foot, you just like... Oh, damn it. I did it again. Like, I knew, <laughs> at least I don't have to worry about it anymore today. Wait, is it once a day or just anytime you're outside barefoot? Anytime you're outside barefoot. I wonder, though, that's a good question. Like, if you're out barefoot and, like, in the first five minutes you step in, <laughs> I like to think that, like, it just keeps happening. So, like, after a while, both of me... <laughs> <laughs> you're just wearing dog crap shoes, basically. You've been walking around. Oh, man. That would be frustrating. Yeah. You're like, you just get it cleaned off your foot, and you put a foot on the on your stoop or something, and you're like, oh, fuck, I, my, I dropped my keys or something, and you turn around, you step in dog shit again. <laughs> <laughs> just as long as you're outside walking around, you're you're destined to step in shit. Uh, but what what happens if with the other scenario, if you're outside and you're like, all right, the scenario, like, I just can't look up. Don't look up because a bird is going to crap in my mouth. But then yeah. like an airplane flies over or a helicopter buzzes you and you're like, what? Oh, oh, got me again. Got uh, me again. I, th- I don't know. I, d- I think getting it in your mouth could potentially has the potential to make you really sick. Not. And I don't like spend all of my time looking up, but if I, I mean, I'll probably look up once a day at least, and I'm going to get <laughs> shit in my mouth once a day. Fuck. No, I'd probably, as, as bummed as it would make me, I'd probably go with stepping in dog shit. You know, I was, I had this thought after we got off the phone about the Kardashian bowling ball conundrum the other day, <laughs> I thought to myself, cause I really enjoyed that conversation and I thought to myself, why is it that making Steve upset gives me so much joy? I was like, I'm a bad friend. I'm a bad friend. And I feel like too much of my too many, too many of the laughs that I have both while we're recording and not are kind of at your expense. Well, it's I don't know. I'm sorry. Exacer- like why exacerbation, exacerbation, exp- expirate, ex. I'm, what's the, Jesus, I'm, ex, <laughs> what is it, how do you say that? I don't know what word you I'm want. I'm exasperated, is that a word? Exasperated, Exasperated. Yes. Oh, yes. I was thinking exacerbated. I think I was, That's I was right. messing up the words, I like, had like a mental you missi- dyslexic. You were mixing exasperation and masturbation, and you got <laughs> exacerbation. Um, I, t- like, exasperation to watch someone get flustered and like, fling their hands around and I love, love watching 
episodes of Love Letters to Skateboarding on when Grasso is like really heated about something. And, right. and it's and it's funny. I don't know. I, I get the same I get the same pleasure out of watching somebody else because it's not like it's not like my day is actually on fire or like my I'm really actually super angry about this thing. I just have like a passionate perspective or or take on whatever the fuck we're talking about. And then I get all riled up about it. So. I love it so much to, <laughs> to see you to see you like sincerely upset about having to be friends with the Kardashians. You're like, ah, oh, God damn it. <laughs> I, I don't. And, but again, today, like, I'm just, I don't know. I'm feeling pretty footloose and fancy free and I'm not, I'm not mad about it. You know, not, I'm not mad about You are about not them. upset about stepping. I expected a whole rant about dog shit just now. Uh, I set the trap and you, you just danced right around it. Yeah. And then stepped in dog shit. Yeah, but you're fine with it. You're like, oh, I've got a hose, NBD. I think, but even, I, yeah, I mean, I'd still, getting bird shit in your mouth could, that's so dirty. Bird shit's so is, dirty. But, but you can spit it out, right? Like, it's not like you have to swallow it. Not well, that what, that's awesome. What if you but... were in the midst of a swallow when you look up and you're, <laughs> you're just like, oh, God, it got me. Gnarly. Yeah. What, what if you were at the dentist and you're laying back in the chair and the just like, oh, say uh, ah, and you're uh, like, I, I can't. I can't. And you open your mouth, but then there's a sparrow flies in at the window. Yeah, yeah, you would be. I mean, yeah, that yeah, brings up. I did a good say point. outside. I did outside say okay. outside, but I like the image of. of Unless you go into right. an outside dentist, the whole That's time right. birds are shitting in your mouth. The dentist That's would refuse right. to work on you. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with stepping and shit. And you could even put little foot bags on your feet because, you know, like there's like you said, there's a workaround. You're not saying that you can't well, put plastic bags on your feet. You're not barefoot then. You know. Mm, OK, so that's again. OK, I got you. Yeah, I'd go with I'd go with stepping. Look, I put some shit. serious thought into this. <laughs> Clearly. Uh, and you know what? That that puts us uh, like right at an hour. So we're perfect. We're perfect. Um, Take us out. I think uh, I would like to say thank you for listening to Revolting. Uh, and we do sincerely hope that people are enjoying it. Uh, it's fun for us to do, and I and I like the feedback that we've gotten. So thank you. Uh, if you have questions for us or topics you'd like for us to pontificate on, you can email me at stevel at cyclingindependent.com or robot at cyclingindependent.com. Uh, if you like this or any of the other fun stuff you find on the Cycling Independent, please share it with a friend, as it's the only way we can keep this party going. Uh, so, as always, on behalf of Cycling Independent and Revolting, I'm Stevo. And I'm Robot. And don't forget to suck it. Thank you.